0: Hello and welcome to Board Games Ireland, the podcast. Um, this is going to be sort of a, I don't know how frequent it's going to be. <laughs> I should say I'm, I'm Gavin Byrne um, and with me is Frank O'Connor. Hello. And yeah, like I said, uh, just is just going to be sort of an informal type of podcast about board games in Ireland, uh, any events that are going on and so on. So we don't know how frequent they're going to be just yet. Um, well, hopefully we'll more
1: than hopefully more than once. <laughs>
0: yes, definitely. Well, this could be an absolute disaster, and then this is it. We'll never <laughs> never speak of it again. <laughs>
1: uh, if the theme music is anything to go by, I think that has to be the best board gaming theme music I've ever heard. It just makes yeah. exactly it what it's like.
0: Started strong there; you can only go downhill from here. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: All I can think of when I hear that music is a small team of field mice dragging a board game through a forest. So uh, yeah, I think that's a very good start. So
0: I think first we should probably just explain for people who aren't too familiar with the concept of contemporary board games because most people have in their head a very preconceived notion
1: of when you say board games. uh, You think Monopoly, uh, Scrabble, all the sort of games that everybody knows. In a way, this is rather like what uh, Richard Dawkins says about religion it's sort of you grow up with it as a child and you just get used to it I mean that's how we are with Monopoly that's how we are with Scrabble they're sort of around and 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 they're the sort of games that come out at um, parties and at Christmas and families play them and sort of they're they're known but um, in a way they're they they differ quite a lot from what we might call modern board games And, and and how do they do that well you have to sort of think about the fundamentals of what a board game is. I mean, it should be fun and involves a number of people. We're all communicating together and each person takes an action. So you take an action, it does something, all the other people around the table go, ooh, and that action has somehow affected them. That's the essentials of a board game. Now in Monopoly, that's very simple. The action is you roll a dice, you move along, and you hopefully don't go to jail. That's pretty much it. Everyone watches everyone do that. It's based on luck. You don't have a great deal of input or strategy. Or in Scrabble, it's a little better with the strategy because your action is that you're making a word. That's going to affect the other player. They're going to be watching what you're making. You're going to try and get a bit of scoring in. And there's a bit of a social element in the sense of you're looking at who knows what words. I mean, it's, it's a way of saying, look, I know I have a massive vocabulary and, and people can be you know impressed by that. And it can be part of the fun of the game. Um... Now, with modern board games, what you do, you take that and you multiply it up in many different ways that make it a great deal of fun. So just to compare and contrast with Scrabble, shall we say, let's pick a a relatively simple modern board game called Codenames. Now, with Codenames, you're broken up into teams. It can can play about eight players. So already you've got a good bit of social interaction. Um, There's a number of words involved. It uses language. And your team has a number of words. The other team has a number of words. And two of you have to signal those words without actually saying them so what you do is you basically are trying to define as many words in front of you as possible but not say those words that's a very simple mechanism but applied to a game it becomes very social everyone around the table is watching everyone else you make mistakes it's funny and at the end of a good game of code names and these games can only last about five to ten minutes at most um, you will have a story You will have a good story of what happened there'll be adventures there'll be highs lows all sorts of things will have gone on with that game and people will have interacted in a way and i think that fundamentally is what differentiates modern board games from the sort of monopoly games in that you have they they have stories you will play a modern game and you will remember what happened
0: yeah and i think the other aspect as well is people tend to only think of board games in relation to like christmas that's when they play board games but the factor that's Uh, I think is taking part there is that's when you have a bunch of people in a confined space for a day and it's kind of frowned upon to just get up and leave. (laughs) Uh, So you're stuck there. So you play the board game. So it's, it's not really about it being Christmas. It's about people being together. And that's why the board game comes out as something that people can do around the table together as a shared activity. But what do you do the rest of the year? I mean, and that's where I'm coming from when I set up board games, Ireland, the uh, meetup group, um, I it was to sort of act as like a a network so people could come together and like have these ready built sort of like people they could play games with. So you just go, yes. okay, I want to play this. I have that, and and as opposed to something like a board game cafe or a business where like all the board games are there and the people go there, uh, board games Ireland, the meetup group acts more as sort of a peer to peer sort of yeah. network of it's- people. So. And it means everyone knows always someone has like the very latest game, So there's always something new to play. And you always have someone who knows how to play the rules. And it's it works really well like that because it's and it's all this distributed content and it all comes in and everyone just plays. And (laughs) and you have people to play with because that's the trouble the games are Quite expensive, Um and uh, yeah, getting them to the table at home can be trouble because uh, yeah, yeah, you may your family members are flatmates or uh, may not be as interested in board gaming as you. So it's important to
1: be able to find people to play with. I think the the Christmas board gaming thing is a good point. I mean, it's a kind of Stockholm syndrome theory <laughs> of board gaming. You you end up sort of liking them because you've been forced into that situation mm-hmm. over and over again on a yearly basis. Whereas Um, with the modern games and with the meetups everyone's just coming along it's very informal and um, one of the great things is when new people come along and you introduce them to a game and you see the response you see the enjoyment they get out of it a lot of people come along um, initially somewhat with a little trepidation they may not have played games before and um, I would say nine times if not ten times out of ten they will leave happy they will have played a game they will have been introduced to something new uh, a game like this is rather like a new world that you can mm-hmm. introduce to. And... Um you can go there and end up playing anything. I mean, yeah. there's all sorts of different things that you. It's it's quite nice that way.
0: Oh yeah, yeah I think you're right. It is amazing when you have that little moment when it, it clicks for people and they realize, okay, there's a there's a whole bunch of this that like I know watching playing coup as well is it, which is another great game. Which is a game where you have two cards in front of you and only you know what they are and those cards, various cards that yeah. people have in front of them have different abilities. Yeah. So only you know what cards you have. So that means you can lie about what cards you have. So, yes. so you can pretend you have a card that allows you to take three coins and no one knows the wiser unless they call you on it but if they call you on it and you actually do have the card then they get a penalty they lose one of their cards but just when that moment clicks it's like oh normally in a, a game you think oh I have to use the cards I have this you can pretend to have any card and that, that yep. little moment yes. when you see you always see it's it's a great game in that because you always spot that little click for people when they realise they can lie. And <laughs> and it's what it's wonderful that. And uh yeah, yeah, I think that's what it's all about really when and that's when people realise okay there's a lot more yeah, to gaming exactly. than Scrabble and Monopoly. Yep. But we probably should give Monopoly its dues as well to some degree, because uh what we play Monopoly as was originally a game called the Landlord's Game, which was by uh we have her name here. Yeah, yeah. so it was made by um, an American anti-monopolist called uh, Elizabeth J. Mikey Phillips um, back in 1903. It's that early. And she was hoping to explain the single tax theory of uh, Henry George. And the whole thing was intended as like an educational tool to illustrate the negative aspects of uh, concentrating land in private monopolies. Right. Uh, so it was really good. And it had aspects of like, yeah, it, it would show the downside of capitalism, basically. But then when Parker Brothers sort of like released Monopoly about 30 years later, they just stripped out so much of the content that made it a, like a learning experience. Yeah, yeah. And so you have half a game because then that's why Monopoly, I think, sort of ends as this sort of
1: meandering game, which is uh, <laughs> that's true. I <laughs> so, mean, I mean, taxation hasn't really inspired that many board games, to be honest. Um, <laughs> there is a more modern version of Monopoly on, on, on that sort of satirical side called um, Corporate America. Corporate America is very good. Which, is, um, which kind of details the whole American idea of elections and you're trying to, you're, there's a bit of bribery involved and you've got media interests and all of that is part of the game. So in this way, this game kind of almost is like, it's like a simulation. And some of these games are like this. It's like simulating the elections. But to you know these games can actually say something as well as being fun. Mm-hmm. Um with the with the monopoly thing what it reminds me of is I mean the modern board gaming hobby it's it's kind of become it's increasingly popular it's it's rather had a similar track to um craft beers and that sort of it's sort of gone sort of from relatively low level to becoming increasingly popular to the extent that um even this week I think um McDonald's who are a great friendly hugely powerful mm-hmm. um and legally uh massive <laughs> company um they um they are uh promoting themselves um as a board gamer they're actually the staff in there now wearing um t-shirts with um this is how i roll written on mm-hmm. them now this is how i roll is a sort of board gaming pun that you know we well, heard this years ago you know it's no longer funny it was funny the yes. first time but no <laughs> no it's not funny at all but anyway this is mcdonald's are well, doing some this. of them also have top hats top hats and that's because mcdonald's <laughs> for them the board game is monopoly so they are there's there's no small dogs or old boots because that would be a health hazard (laughs) (laughs) they do they they do have an ad they have a cinema ad with a giant dog okay it it doesn't not much happens a guy looks at a dog and then a giant dog comes along but that's yes they are going with monopoly but they are i suspect perhaps legitimately shall we say certainly legally um jumping on the um, board gaming trend here and uh, so i think it's become i should say with this sort of sign that it's become Pretty much mainstream now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. It really is sort of. I think people are starting to take notice. I know, in the run up to Christmas, suddenly um, a lot of radio stations were like talking to me about to explain. Yes. Board games yes. to them, and like again, they were just thinking monopoly, Robly, monopoly, yeah, monopoly, scrabble, scrabble, and just trying to explain. No, 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 no. It's not about that. It's about all these other great options we have now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> They're far more engaging, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, as I was saying, yes. So like that Board Games Ireland, the idea for why it was set up was to bring people together. So you have people who will play board games, which other people who might understand or don't understand yet what contemporary board games are like. So we uh, we meet up every Tuesday. Uh, We actually started up meeting Tuesdays in a small tea shop. Um, and we very quickly outpaced that, then uh, we moved to um, a, a bar, because yes. unfortunately in Dublin that's the only bigger places you can get <laughs> our bars. Um, and then we moved to another bar, which is where we currently are, which is um, Alfie Burns, uh, which is just across the road from the National Concert Hall. So we meet up there, every tuesday evening from seven o'clock onwards uh and then every sunday as well and um that is from one o'clock isn't from it? about one uh, until it can go very late because until we get thrown out essentially, yes, yes but yeah the sunday that makes it more suitable for things like your your big box board games that could take about four hours to play
1: you know so and um alfie burns do have some fantastic tables they're large yes. tables um which is one thing which is very important and they're also very unique tables each one has got its own kind of style
0: yes and we've, we've built stories around those tables yes. and <laughs> the games that we've played at them uh yeah yeah because that's that's really what you want from a, a location is uh large tables um like i've had other bars and stuff ask me yeah. even i had a starbucks come and ask me to <laughs> run board game meetups there and i go to the tables that are the size of like Teacups and yes. uh, <laughs> uh, not much use at all for anything. Um, even like the sort of the lighter, sorry, of card-based games. Yes. it's difficult to play around some of the tiny tables places have. Um, and uh, yeah, but of course we're not the only meetup group in the city. I'm again, sorry, we're just fairly Dublin orientated because we're both from Dublin. But if anyone wants to talk about. Uh, meetups that happen in other countries we made do a feature and try and find out what other ones are out and talk about them on the next one Okay, but for the moment I can tell you about the ones that are in Dublin um, uh, also in uh, uh, on the other north side of the city also on Tuesday evenings if Alfie Burns on uh, <laughs> over by the national concert hall is a little too far out um, on the other north side of the city there is Girls Get Gaming which is uh, again it's sort of an inclusive sort of um, meetup group uh, uh, that's in the Black Sheep uh, on Cable Street and that is every Tuesday uh, at I believe around half six or something they yeah. start um, so that's similar to uh, time for ours, but yeah, it means if you're on the other side of the city it's a good spot to go. Then there's uh, also IGA the Irish Gamers Association they run a, a weekly gaming group and they're on Thursdays in Robert Reeds they tend to do more sort of stuff instead, as well as just sort of sort of board games that we do but they have bit more orientated towards things like warhammer and things like that okay and similar to that as well as uh, thomas house on thomas street um also have one that's very um uh, sort of wargaming miniature type heavy as well um i have yet to make it to one of those but uh yeah they
1: apparently they have a very impressive table oh that's <laughs> the thing with wargames yes, yeah and yeah. <laughs> um a lot of painting involved exactly a lot of painting, yeah yes.
0: Uh, yeah so I don't know if there's too many others there used to be another one but um, yeah yeah I think that's about it that I think of. but if anyone knows of any other ones let me know and we're sure happy to mention it because uh, the more places around the city that people are running days the more opportunities and the more days of the week uh, oh yeah I should also mention yeah because I was saying yeah because it is kind of a problem that all of these things have to be in pubs because it's the worst thing about Ireland is the only <laughs> place you can socialize is in a pub like I said I started out in a coffee shop for a specific reason because I didn't want to be, be I wanted everyone to be, be sort of you have the free welcome that you didn't feel like you know, a yeah. drink heavy environment and everything but unfortunately yeah, there aren't any coffee shops big enough really no um so but there is alt game ireland uh, they run monthly events in the fringe labs in temple bar and so that's a, a non-drinking uh meetup right. okay uh, so i think their latest one is this week so it'll be we've missed it when this podcast goes out so it'll be next month okay <laughs> yeah. so those are all the ones i can think of for now um but uh, yeah, there's also conventions. So one that we we're a big fan of is Navecon uh, yes. down in Limerick. So see, not everything is Dublin. So <laughs> <laughs> I am a very big fan <laughs> of Navecon. So yes. uh, yeah, you volunteered in the last one as well. So you know quite a bit about the inner workings of Navecon. So um, yeah,
1: Navecon about. is um, it's down in Limerick. It's sort of down by the um, university down there, um, in the Castle Troy Hotel. I believe yes. it's called. Um, Quite near the Groody Roundabout, which just incidentally is one of my favourite roundabouts in Ireland. But it's a... Castletroy Park Hotel. Ah, yes, that's it's right. It's
0: right across the road from the University of Limerick.
1: That's right. I I, was, I remembered the roundabout very well, but I forgot the actual hotel <laughs> where we stayed. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it goes on all day. So it's, it starts on a sort of a it's the weekend. It starts on a Saturday at about 11-ish in the morning. People start coming in. Uh, paying the tickets and you there's a large conference room in there which is just full of tables and there is a huge stack of games at the back like more games you could possibly play um, and you just you start playing you you can mingle you can play different games you can join them leave them and I think on my first time there I played about 10 to 15 different games all in a day and it carries on to about three or four. In oh the morning.
0: yeah yeah you can stay as late as you want <laughs> um,
1: uh, organizers are a great bunch uh victor gannon they're down there who who sets up and runs the whole thing uh, very nice they got lots of tea and they've got some fantastic donuts which is always a good selling point yeah for there's
0: unlimited tea and coffee the day included with your ticket price um and yeah and dungeons and donuts who are the donut company they run a board game shop yeah uh some come cafe in galway and yeah they travel down with a a large supply of donuts but it's never a large enough supply of donuts (laughs) because they sell out out very very quick very fast in about an hour they're all gone
1: um they have um board games on sale down there and they also have a bring and buy sale so you will find board games that you may never have seen anywhere yeah yeah. it's sort of
0: explained the bring and buy so yeah people will bring board games along that they no longer want or, uh, and sell them and you put a price on it and yeah yeah. It's, the, the, the organisers will contact the person if someone makes an offer on your game so it's yep. a great way of getting rid of stuff get a few cash to buy new games or, <laughs> or, or other people's old games so it's quite good on the day um, yeah the next one is coming up on the 17th of September that's a Saturday and uh, yeah it's 15 euro in for an adult eight euro for students non-waged and accompanied children are free um so uh what's it There's one other thing yeah i was saying that they are quickly outgrowing that room like the last one it was really full so i think they may have to find a larger
2: room. yes
1: yes um yeah well I, I volunteered last time It was great fun i was there selling tickets um helping out with the raffle and that kind of thing they got a lot of stuff going on very popular um people of all ages and people come from all around Ireland as well not just us coming up from Dublin yeah it's usually a big gang
0: from the group uh, Board Games Ireland meetup group go down Um, so yeah already I'm looking at the event page here on Facebook and there's like six people (laughs) Uh (laughs) who are in the group are going (laughs) Um, so yeah yeah so it's always good fun fun road road trip down and uh, yeah you can play gaming till 3am and (laughs) Uh, so yeah yeah it's very good Um, so other events coming up I have (laughs) there's a few uh, sort of board game workshops coming up very soon. And now on the line, I have a board game designer, Robin David, who's kind of a regular at our Board Games Ireland meetups. uh, And he has uh, just recently had a successful Kickstarter for uh, a game called Sobrasa. I know I backed it. I think you backed it as well, Frank. I certainly did. (laughs) So we're not going to talk too much about that. We'll probably get him in eventually to talk about Sobrasa. But uh, Robin, um, you've got a few workshops coming up very soon around board game design. Do you want to tell us a little bit about them?
3: How are you doing? Yeah. Um, so I've got two bo- two workshops happening in successive weeks. Oh, good uh, on the 20, 20th of August, we have the... Um, uh, it's been arranged by Refig and Coding Grace here in Dublin. It's the beginners workshop. So it's people who aren't necessarily used to board games, maybe haven't played any recent modern board games, uh, and definitely haven't done any board game design in the past. Uh, trying to introduce them to the ideas of like uh, modern board game mechanics and modern mm-hmm. board game ideas and, and the kind of uh, imagination that now comes with the whole modern board game industry you know so that 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 session's open to um uh, the whole idea is it's meant to be increasing diversity in the whole industry yeah. so it's open to literally everybody uh, from you know the the, the the usual faces you see of like 20 year old co- <laughs> coders and things like that feel so oh, yeah. like you know pretty much not everybody you know <laughs> um it is it is under the guise of coding grace which is like a, uh, a a women's coding organization okay but that isn't limiting uh who's invited to the uh yeah um uh, the session next week
0: so that's right and it's free in yes
3: Free in. Yep. Uh, you have to register first, and yep. you have to tell them why you want to be there. Because okay. it's going to be, um, if it's oversubscribed, I think there's a 25 person limit. We'll be you know, looking at things like, you know, why do you want to be getting into board game design, or looking at board game design, stuff like that. Uh, so you have to go on the website, put yeah, in your okay. application, and I mean, it's pretty much a guaranteed thing, I think.
0: so. Great, yeah, I'll put the link up in the description. Uh, yeah. so, so then you have the other one, which is your the, the Crafty Players. This is Build-A-Board Game.
3: That's right. That's two weeks later. It's not yeah. me organizing that okay. one. I'm just, I'm kind of working in like an advisory capacity for it. So. Okay.
2: Um,
3: two weeks later on the 3rd of September, I think that is. So yeah. Yep. September 3rd. Yeah. 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 That's, um, so it's, it'll be your rivals. Um, <laughs> what are they called now? The crafty players.
2: Oh, Okay. <laughs> are organizing
3: this one. So that's another Dublin based podcast about board games. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> It's a, it's a very similar kind of idea, though. They want to try and get more people into board game design because we've got like a a thriving little community here. We have monthly meetups and things like this for the regular kind of designers. Yeah. Uh, but, but one of the things you need in, the, in a in a playtest meetup is you need to have as many different faces and different kinds of people as possible. But uh, there's no point in playtesting all the time with the same, you know, magic players or something like that. You know. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, was, you know, both of these events are all about like getting as many new kinds of faces into the whole uh, the hobby, really, and into the the design kind of practice. Just so we can get uh, more exciting, imaginative things going on. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. You so,
0: so re- uh, you regularly well, have those sort of playtest days as well, don't you? I haven't made it along to one myself. I hope to get along sometime.
3: Well, every every month, yeah. Usually like the last Saturday of every month. It's a really chilled out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. People just bring the games down, and we just kind of tear them up and uh, <laughs> uh, thrash them out and see what's going on, you
1: know. And just, um, just to clarify this playtesting, this is essentially where you've, you're designing your game, you're building it, and um, you've got so far, you just want to wanna throw it out to a bunch of people, see what, what might go right, what might go wrong, that sort of thing.
3: Pretty much, yeah. It's um, Board game design in general is really kind of, a, um, you know, you can theorise as much as you want about how a game is going to work. And you give to the table and it falls apart in seconds as people start picking out the loopholes and the and the and the breaks in your logic, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um so it's it's a really um necessary step early on in your designs as well. So people will make like the roughest, roughest prototype out of scribbled bits of paper and things. Yeah. Bring them down and then we can start iterating on them. So I mean you guys just received um subrosa in the mail.
1: That's right. Mm-hmm.
3: And that was that was a game which I brought down to playtest still them, as literally just a few bits of scraps of paper, and we all got markers out and we we scratched them all out and we changed them all and updated them all in over the course of one session. Yes.
2: And then by
3: the end we had something that was kind of playable. And then next month we iterated again, and the next month we iterated again. And maybe over like four months or so, we had a um, a nice little game ticking along. So
1: yes, I remember I was part of one of the playtest sessions mm-hmm. um, for. Subrosa, and um, now that I have it, I can't remember pretty much anything of it that's in it now that was in that <laughs> session.
3: Yeah, it went through two different themes, I think, and it went through loads of balancing things and new mechanics and new uh, powers on the cards and
2: things yeah. like
3: that. So, that's, i mean—that's why it's quite an exciting and fun, fun hobby to be. It's really sociable; like you have to, you can't do it in a bubble. You have to go out to these groups and you have to try it out with as many people as you can. Sure. And, and um, the, pr-
1: the process is fun, and in- the, the testing process is great fun in itself, um, especially for the testers. Maybe not so much for the designers, but for the testers, it's always great fun trying to, um, essentially, trying to break things. Yeah,
3: it's great, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it can be. It can be very um, upsetting <laughs> if you're not if you're not, in a, if you're not in the right mood for it. or you? Are you spent a long, long time making these beautiful little games? Yes. At the table, and someone just goes, "Oh, that's, that's
2: rubbish." Isn't it? But, yeah, exactly. Um,
3: I think a lot of people, re- yeah, really enjoy that kind of, like, um, it, because it, it becomes, like, designed by committee almost. You know, people get to add their own, own little comments and the right little things on the cards and their own ideas and stuff. And I think it, it's a fun uh, little social activity like that. So, Sure. But yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so we're having this event on the 3rd, which I didn't finish off describing to you guys. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a one-day game jam. So it's going to last about eight or nine, ten hours maybe uh we go get there in the morning and we get given a theme and we get given given um uh constraints that we have to work with
2: Yeah,
3: and then we reform teams and we have about six hours to put together a game to develop a game to iterate it to, to produce something in the end and then we have time to play them and then we have a little con- we have a little contest and see who made the best game you know excellent so a day just of creativity and playing games and yeah. messing around with little bits of paper and tokens and things
0: like that so okay that's great because um, i have done uh sort of 24-hour film festivals in the past we have 24 hours to uh, make a film yeah, yeah. but yeah those yeah. constraints are great they really tie in and sort of focus your creativity because yeah, yeah. if you're said, oh make whatever you want here's sure. six hours <laughs> that, that that's impossible but if you're given it has to be about <laughs> this then you're you're focused and you can get something done it's actually a, it's,
1: it's a kind of board game keynote essentially when you, <laughs> you re- you're really it's like guerrilla board gaming you're really going out there and and uh, making something from, from nothing.
3: Exactly right. It's, it's a dedicated time as well. It's like most people will like, oh, I'd love to make a board game, and then never really do anything about it. No. <laughs> when you we we sit you down and you say, all right, we'll do it then. Make <laughs> yeah. your board game and get it on. And it's, everyone's in the same situation, so everyone's board game is a little bit rough, a little bit um, you know, a little bit wonky and broken and things. We just have to have fun of it, you know?
1: Yeah, sure.
3: And it's great to go in there at 10 in the morning and have no idea what you're going to do, and then leave in the evening with something that you had, um, which seemed to appear from nowhere, you know? Yeah. Last year, we had the a, a same event, pretty much in September last year, I think it was. And we got there, no idea. And then they said, okay, fairy tales is your theme. And then, yeah, by the end, we had a little um, Hansel and Gretel board game by the end, it was lovely. So. Awesome.
0: Very nice. Okay, so that's, yeah, the Build a Board Game, uh, Board Game Design Jam, that's on September 3rd. <laughs> and where's where that again sorry location
3: the both in Pulse college Oh, okay which is on Cape street yeah, yeah. in
0: town okay and then yeah the other one then is the uh the the board game design workshop which is on the 27th of august and i'll put the, the link 20th of august is it oh sorry i'm looking at the interactive fiction one yeah because they've got okay they've got other stuff going on so 20th yeah, of august go. yeah so five days time Yes. Oh, that's next Saturday. Okay. So yeah, we should. Yeah, right. yeah. Hopefully, yeah, the podcast will be up before that. So hopefully, people will still be have the chance to sign up. And uh, yeah, I'll put all the details in the description. So thanks. Yeah. I mean,
3: for the for the uh, the one on the twentieth, that's what I stress that if yeah. you've got even just a passing interest in doing a bit of design and trying something out, then it's the kind of thing that's actually for you. I'll be introducing like um, just a couple of new mod board game mechanics. Mm-hmm. Things you might not have seen before, if you if you're used to things like Monopolies and Cluedo's and Munchkin and things like that, you know. Yeah, and it will give you an opportunity to just kind of like really explore your creativity a bit and see. You'll you'll leave with a game by the end of the by the end of the three hour session. So, um, uh, if you've got just a passing interest, or you like games or phone games or Facebook games, or video games, whatever, it is definitely. Something you, could
0: think, you should think about coming down to. Okay, that sounds right. great. Okay, thanks for coming on, and we'll get you back on at some time to talk maybe in more detail about some games and even what games you've played and things like that. So, uh yeah, we'll talk to you again. Thanks a lot. No, it was a pleasure. Thanks very no much. All right. <laughs> so, Other than that, I think one thing that we can talk about on this podcast is just, yeah, because we haven't really talked about board games and specific ones that we've been playing. So, um, yeah, yeah, just we may just talk about ones that we've played recently, ones that we've piqued their interest. And again, always happy to have other people come on this and talk about what they've been playing recently and uh, give suggestions. Um so a few that we've played recently. I know um I recently played Tyrants of the Underdark. Uh I think you played that with me. Didn't yes. you? Yeah. So that's quite a new release. Uh, it's by the I think it's most of the same team who did uh, Lords of Waterdeep. Um so it has a good bit in common a little bit with Waterdeep.
1: It is, a little bit, um, but it's
0: It's yeah, it's like Waterdeep meets but it's all it's so it's not just worker placement, it's also sort of um area control.
1: Yes, exactly that. It's area control and um, there's a number of different ways to score but mostly if you get the more territory and you defeat the other i mean the underdark is basically it's um it's a it's another
0: it's another dungeons and dragons licensed game so i don't
1: know it's probably an expensive license to get like lords of
0: Waterdeep as well
1: but it's all drow um nothing but drow and it's what drow get up to underground which is largely fighting each other drow are um dark elves um they live underground and they they're they they tend towards evil shall we say they're not they're usually not the mm-hmm. nicest of elves so with the with the tyrants of the underdark it's essentially or uh, different factions of these elves um trying to get trying to cre- get as much glory as possible the one the ones who win are the ones who get yeah the most well, territory well, the most of course glory. yeah
0: i forgot the third mechanic that is very important is the fact that it's also a deck building yes <laughs> So I probably you should explain some of those mechanics. So what I mean by deck building is you purchase cards as you go until you build up a nice deck of cards that yeah. are valuable. And then by sort of, I guess it's kind of worker placement in that you're playing those cards and those will perform actions yes, that's right. uh, on the board that will allow you to place uh tokens on the board which allow you to take area control and you want to dominate as many areas as possible because that unlocks more earning potential
1: for you and with a typical deck building game you tend to start off with a small hand of cards they're usually fairly weak cards things like a couple of workers and maybe a soldier or something like that There's not, they don't do much they help you a bit but the great fun of the game is that as you go on you you can swap those cards out and get better ones in and you never really know what's going to come up you often have a, a selection of cards to choose from but as people take cards more cards come out and that's the fun of the game um in the first few players and you of
0: course you need cards to buy cards yes that's Sorry. right
1: so you you're 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 incrementally improving your position in the first few games it's all about finding out what the cards are and then the strategy comes in as you as you begin to realize what they are you know what might be coming up next and and um you Know just waiting for that right card, and if you get that card that you've really wanted, and you can then maybe link it up with a few other cards and, and do a chain of events in this game that just you know you sweep the board, that's a great um, moment in the game. It's, a, it's that's the great fun of deck building games,
0: yeah. I know I really enjoyed it. Um, I think I don't know how strong it is in you know, on the team itself, like you're you just sort of placing colored markers on the board. I don't know how much I felt of the drow team and i don't yeah. like i think the board is a bit cracky. yeah the, like it's very sort of a washed out image in the background whereas i think they could have done something much
1: cooler with the board the cards are nice that yeah, the artwork on cards the cards are... works well but the the pieces themselves are, they seem to have shall we say saved a bit on the pieces yeah, they yeah. didn't do the um standard sort of character pieces where you you got a sort of a figure plastic yeah. figures it's literally just small tokens um, yeah, they're like shields
0: and stuff. Right? Yeah,
1: exactly. With a, with a with a good strategy game, tokens are fine because you're really focusing on the mechanics of the game. And this is good. It's good for that. But it also has this theme, which is, you know, drows fighting each other. And in a way, you want to see that. You want to see the drows. And you want to be able to sort of move them around. Whereas you're just, it's mostly in your mind <laughs> that this is going on.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, that's uh, turns to the Underdark. Um, that's, it's it's two to four players, and it can take, I don't know, I'm reading here, it says approximately 60 minutes. It took us a bit longer, I think, but then we were just working at the mechanics yes, of playing. I'd say yeah. next time we play it, it will probably go quicker. So, um, what other ones did we play recently? Oh, yeah, um, another one I bought recently and played was Dragonfarkle. Yes, uh, I've
1: also played that with you. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: wasn't a fan. <laughs> no it's yeah it's it's got that has a beautiful artwork on the box and everything and it's by z-man games who usually do really nice stuff um and yeah i don't know it just didn't feel like you could do much strategizing in it. A lot. It, I, I know. I'm not. I hate those people who complain. Say, oh, that game's just luck based. Just luck yeah. based. Just because it involves a die. But this was very much luck based. Like I could roll those dice, and then that means I
1: don't have a turn. Um, um, <laughs> luck. Luck can be really good fun in a game. If a game is quite heavy on strategy, but has a few sudden lucky moments mm-hmm. or unlucky moments, that can be great fun because it, not knowing what's going to happen next can be part of the the game when the entire game is is really just sort of luck driven and you don't have much control over what's happening a little but not much. Um, you don't really it's more like the game playing you. Yeah, then you're playing the game.
0: You should explain. Yeah. So the purpose of Dragon Farkle is there's a giant dragon and each of the players is controlling, I don't know, um, <laughs> you're trying to build, each player is trying to build up a small army to go and be the yeah, one who kills right. the dragon. Yeah. Um, and to build up your army you are rolling with six dice yep. and certain combinations of dice will provide certain combinations of, of, of quantities That's of right. troops yes um but if the combination isn't one that exists, then you get a Farkle and you, that's, nothing they, happens nothing yeah. happens. And if you have you can keep re-rolling as many times as you want, um, but if you hit a Farkle you lose everything, you've earned that round. Exactly. So it is it's yeah, it's not quite whereas games like um uh King of Tokyo, I think that's all dice based and people could say it's look based, but you can manipulate that look because you've the option to do things like re-roll
1: dice uh, you can re-roll dice to an extent in Dragon Farkle also, but King of Tokyo... Has you
0: can't... Uh, well, no, once you've... You can't... Once you've got... Well, in King of Tokyo, you lock off your dice at the end once you're happy. Yeah. You can only re-roll twice, which is a nice limitation on yeah. it. Dragon Farkle, uh, yeah, you lock off and score those dice and then you don't re-roll those at all. No, not, you, not the ones that score. Yeah, yeah. You might
1: be able to re-roll others and it's yeah. always a risk to reroll. But if the thing with Dragon Farkle is it's essentially... You're, you're trying to build up an army. When you get an army to a certain size... Um, you can go and attack the dragon and then once you've once you defeated the dragon, you win. So you're basically building up to a certain threshold based on dice rolls. Mm-hmm. And that's pure luck. It's whether the dice are in your favor or not. Yeah,
0: and there's not, not much you can do to manipulate it. Like, you can't improve a bad
1: roll like you can in King of Tokyo. And with King of Tokyo, the idea is that, you know, it's, it's, it's monsters fighting each other in Tokyo. So it's very cartoonish. And it's deliberately set up to be kind of like chaos. Like, you're stomping yeah. around this city and... You can do some things with cards, which is fun, but the luck is integral to the theme. Yeah. So you're playing, but, a, yeah.
0: And you have strategy as well, because you yeah. need to know when you go into Tokyo to and run the risk, yeah, uh, of staying in yes, to make exactly. more points, or do you pull out? Because yeah. you take damage if you're in Tokyo, and
1: you can almost be killed. And the dice. And if
0: you want to go for, there's different ways to win. You can win on points or on just obliterating all your enemies. And so. also
1: the dice rolls. Um, They more, they sort of balance each other out because the dice, they won't either be like you get a number or you don't. Mm -hmm. It's literally some dice will cause you damage, some dice will help you. So as you're rolling them, you're trying to balance out. Yeah. what's happening rather than just crossing a number yeah and that's
0: is, yeah exactly in king of tokyo will always get something from the dice yeah. whereas dragon farkle the amount of times that it's rolled oh well i guess not doing nothing this <laughs> round wait for <laughs> exactly. everyone to play roll oh yeah no <laughs> and and you're watching yeah. you're
1: watching someone build up twenty thousand, thirty thousand, <laughs> and you're left with like 100 yeah you really feel like you're not part of the game at that point you're just <laughs> kind of waiting for them to win
0: yeah so I thought it was a little disappointing um I think I think there was a little bit of buzz about it because I think I don't know I don't watch the tabletop uh, YouTube thing with Will Wheaton but uh, I think it's one of the featured games on this mm-hmm. season that's coming up yeah that's right and so it got a it got a lot of buzz and people were interested in it but yeah I really I really I wouldn't well, recommend it lovely box lovely artwork because uh, Z-Man games they do make a quality product in that respect yes they do um,
1: but yeah it's it. Well, I, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> um, well that brings me on to another game that's also uh, featured on tabletop uh, next season which oh, okay. is um Fury of Dracula.
0: Okay, this is the new second edition, is it? Third edition. Third edition. Third around. edition. Oh God, yeah. wow! He as must far as I really Dracula furious. Act, the third <laughs> yes, he's so angry now,
1: Dracula. He can hardly move. Um, so, Fury of Dracula is by Fantasy Flight. Fantasy Flight specializes in strategy games based on cards. So you will have a lot of cards, and usually in a Fantasy Flight game, you have a lot of cards, and they will do a lot of different things. So as you're playing, the cards that come into play will will change the game as it goes, which which it. it so the rules can be relatively simple, but the cards will add a lot to what what could possibly happen um, in *Fury of Dracula*. One one player plays Dracula, and he's kind of running around Europe, uh, trying sort of putting little uh, vampire eggs around different cities and traps and things. And up to four players can play the hunters who are trying to catch him. And it's a classic um, hidden sort of hunter game where. Um, you're trying to find someone on a big board. It's a beautiful board of Europe. Um, And you move around, you're trying to catch Dracula's trail. As Dracula moves around, he leaves a trail behind him and you're trying to catch him. When you catch him, you fight him and and the ultimate idea is to defeat him. There's a certain amount of time to do this. Um, Each of the hunters, again, it's a fantasy flight thing. Each of the hunters is a very well-built character. They have their own individual figures which look great on the board and they have their own abilities. So with four players playing those and one player playing Dracula, uh, one of the great things about this is it's kind of like, it's like um, four players, they're they're playing with each other. So it's a kind Mm -hmm. of collective game in that way. They're not playing against each other, but they are playing against another player. So the game um, will, each game again, as I say, I'll get back to this, is each game is a story. They will always be different and there will always be things that happen that surprise and delight and it's great fun. Some people complain that very often with a game like this, um, the player who's playing Dracula might have an advantage. If you don't find him and you don't win and you're playing the hunters, it can be a somewhat demoralizing experience. Mm. I've had many hunters never want to play again with me if I've played Dracula because they (laughs) go, well, it's too easy. However, um, I've also had people and there are complaints online. You can see people complain about it being too easy for the Hunters. Yeah. It's, it's really down to how the game goes. Mm-hmm. I think it is because there's a couple of those sort of uh,
0: hidden movement games um, that I've played and I think it is my favourite one. Uh, the other two that I've played being uh, Specter Ops and Whitechapel. And Whitecha- Letters from Whitechapel. Um, I think what makes Fury Dracula a bit better is because there's things like using cards. There's a bit more yeah. action and things for you to do. Yes. Uh, the, there's a nice combat mechanic in it as well. So when you do yes, track exactly. Dracula down you can fight. Uh, whereas, yeah, the other ones, like, yeah, Spectre Ops, I guess, has some. Um
1: it has a, a degree of it, but it's more, more yeah. open. It's, yeah. more, it's more kind of fluid.
0: Yeah, and Whitechapel fluid. doesn't have that, and you don't get in like a fist fight with Jack the Ripper, unfortunately.
1: No, and it is a Jack the Ripper yeah. um, theme, and it's based on the actual. Oh, murders. the team is
0: so strong in Literature and
1: Whitechapel. It's really good. It um, can put uh, some people yeah. off, though. Yeah, some yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Don't some some want people are against <laughs> murdering ladies. Yeah, yeah they really uh. don't, want to, they don't want to play a psychopath <laughs> for some reason in the game, you know <laughs>
1: um dracula is a little more acceptable I suppose. yeah it's that fictional lady yeah. murder as opposed to actual, actual women who were Apple. killed which is <laughs> yeah
0: it is actually horrible when you think about it really yes um yeah, the, uh, actually, one thing was uh, when we were, I think it was last time I was playing Fury of Dracula, which I was like spitballing ideas for other things that could be around that team. And one idea I had was, <laughs> oh, you could do something really cool, with, like the Predator license on this. Yeah, exactly. Where the yeah. the hidden movement is the Predator yes. uh, cloaked. And then it's like the team of commandos in the jungle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and someone's done something sort of similar to that. Because uh, at Gen Con, which was just last week, uh, there's a game coming out called Last Friday. Oh, right. which is sort of like Friday the 13th so it's a bunch of campers at a holiday camp uh, Okay, and uh, yeah someone plays the uh, axe murderer in the woods who's <laughs> trying to kill them but it do- it looks like it's a nice evolution of the hidden movement game because it has mechanics in it so different rounds you're trying to achieve different things so they're trying to find the keys to the cabins uh, 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 during the day they're trying to find catch, catch the hunter right. where at night uh, the, the murderer is trying to murder the kids so yeah. uh, there's not too much known about because i think they only let people play bits of it at gen con okay but it i think it's a really nice evolution of the team of hidden movement in that's that great. it's got like pacific things goals to achieve at pacific points which i yes. think makes it a bit more interesting rather than just being at a complete loss for the whole game which yeah. is sad because that's where those games come when the person's doing really well uh
1: you actually feel bad as
0: well, because you're like, you oh, because like now the game's not interesting for the I other think, people. I think,
1: as a general rule, and I've I, this is borne out by experience, is that if you're being hunted, if you're playing Dracula or Jack the Ripper, or whatever, and it's a lot of and new players are with the game, just let them win the first time. Because <laughs> they will love it. They yeah. will absolutely great. If they catch you, they it's they they will always they will play that game again for sure. But if they don't on the first play, they may just go away thinking, well, that was a rubbish game. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's, you know. yeah, it's
0: a difficult. There is fun to be had in them, but they, yeah, it's just getting the balance right in a specific yeah. game. It's yeah, it's odd. I do like the idea of them, but it is, it can sometimes be uh, hard to get right. It depends on the mix of people playing it. But it, it, I think it's worth trying a hidden movement game to see what you like about it. And Fury of Dracula, of the ones that are out so far, uh, Fury of Dracula is the one I'd recommend. over oh, year
1: Yeah, it's a great one. Um, and there's one of the game I want to mention, yep. which is um, it's a, it, partly because it's a totally different genre. So I've mentioned i talked about a kind of tactical game using cards here. It's like um, hidden movement and a lot of strategy. But there's also social games and they tend to be around as as um, Gavin mentioned earlier. You know, you're you're pretending to be something you're not and in a group that can be a great dynamic. Um, and this one is called um, Spyfall and mm. it's Spyfall. It's a very simple idea. There are in this game a lot of cards and there each there is each all these cards are broken up into a set of eight cards each and each of these sets of eight cards represents one location. So you could have eight cards that mean you're on a, uh, a submarine or you could have eight cards that mean you're at the circus. And one of those in each of those sets seven players will know where they are. They will have the card saying you're at the circus and one player will just have a card which says spy. They will have no idea where they are. And then you all sit around the table, seven people who know where they are, or the one person who hasn't a clue. You start a clock, and for eight minutes, you simply ask each other questions about where you are. The idea being that if the spy ever finds out, they win. Um, If anyone catches the spy and finds out they don't know where they are, the other players win, and that's it. So you can't go, are we on a submarine? Because the spy might guess from that that you're on a submarine. But the spy similarly has to ask questions that they have to listen very carefully to what everyone else is asking and answering because they have to pretend they are where they don't know where they are. And if they're on a submarine, they talk about stepping outside to tend to the garden, for example, they'll be caught instantly. Mm-hmm. Now, this simple mechanic, eight minutes, it produces an enormous amount of fun because people are, they're, they're floundering they're always, everyone's terrified of being the spy when you're the spy it's a great, it's you know it's great it's also very good for people who want to you can take it really far because along with the locations you have actual roles so you might be the captain of the submarine or you might be a lion tamer at the circus so there's every opportunity to play your role you can act up your role and um, you can do it in a way obviously the spy won't know but it's a great game for You know, just fun, larking about, acting, improvising, whatever. And I'm with a group of friends and um, enormously popular when we play it. New players always um, engage with it and love it because it's simple to teach and uh, a lot comes out of it. So, yeah, that's uh, another one that I really like.
0: Yeah, it is, and it's a it's a really easy one to teach. And again, it's one of those games that yeah, you can see that click moment with people when yes. they realize how it works and like oh wow, this is unlike anything I've ever done. Exactly. And it's yeah, it's really fun. And then it's, but yeah, yeah you get this thing. It it um yeah it get, it does seem a bit awkward as well at times because you're trying to answer these questions but without giving information away. And in doing so, you're making yourself look really suspicious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it yeah it becomes really good fun in that respect. And yeah, I'd really recommend that as as sort of a, a game to for a large because normally at the meetup groups we'll people want to play a good sit down game with board and lots of strategy and things like that but at first when people are coming in and you have like 10, 15 people around the table you want to play games where like maybe 8 people can play at the same time Yeah. and yeah it's it games like Spyfire like like that and you can play as many times as you want and uh, yeah. it's like literally it literally takes 8 minutes doesn't it yeah play. it does <laughs> at, at most yeah, if yeah, the Spy yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: so, for example there's one in um set in the crusades and you're all crusaders and all you ever if you ask someone you know about the internet or about a computer and they say anything other than I don't know what that is that's the end of that game they've caught the spy I remember another occasion we were um, on a space station and uh, Gavin was the um, alien Oh, yeah. and all he did was make alien noises. He yeah, it was all. like <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Every question, every answer. And, and I, who knew I was on a space station, even I had no idea what on earth he was doing. It didn't click for about five minutes into the game. Yeah, what but he it's doing. definitely nothing a spy would no, do. A spy would never have any idea what that was. Um, but it's not
0: something a spy would do either. I think. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. just going <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no. that definitely put the look. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah so that's Spyfall. that's uh, another game uh, one of my favourites and uh, again as I say it's a total opposite so these games are these are the modern board games you have all different kinds you've got this kind of social interaction you've got the strategic ones um, ones based on luck and other ones as well yeah
0: okay Um. yeah so I think we can finish up there I think so Um. yeah again if anyone else wants to come on and talk about what board games you've been playing recently uh. uh feel free to contact us. You can either catch me on Twitter. I'm at monkeyfudge on Twitter. Or if you want to email podcast at boardgamesireland.com. That's podcast at boardgamesireland.com is our email address for the show. Uh, Any comment, suggestions, or if you want to come on and talk about anything if you happen you want to promote. um, And
1: uh, the meetup group as well, I think, is on.
2: Yeah, yeah, we have a
0: Facebook page and we have a Twitter account, which I should probably use a bit more. Um, So, yeah, we're actually going to go into the, the Sunday meetup now because we're recording this <laughs> off a Sunday morning. Uh, I have Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition with me, so I'm hoping to try that out. Oh, excellent. Uh, I just realised I did not bring my iPad because it requires an app. <laughs> <laughs> you can't play this one without an app. So uh, oh, yes, okay. I guess it's running
1: it off my phone. <laughs> uh, so yeah, looking forward to that. Did you bring out an interesting one? I uh, brought Concordia, which, okay. I yeah. uh, oh, also, yeah. which I want to play for the first time. Memoir 44, also, which I want to play for the first time. Um, I have about 70 board games. I've probably played about 60 of them. Yeah, I've so. a, I have
0: a big pile of unplayed stuff at the moment that's getting silly. <laughs> I've got a real problem. <laughs> I've completed, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, <laughs> Gamers World is like the quite good shop in Dumb City Centre. That's like a huge section of board games. I, I, I
1: too have a problem. I can admit <laughs> that to the world. But yeah.
0: every time you spend €25, Euro, you get a stamp. And then when you have 10 stamps you get 25 no, euro don't, off a game don't, don't, i have filled don't in mention this again I, I've, no, no. Uh, yeah i've done two cards so far this year and i'm now halfway through my
1: third oh card. i have, a, I have <laughs> a stack of cards they're all uh, torn up all over my room i have yeah.
0: mansion the madness uh, second edition of course is a big box game so that almost fills a path of card just buying that alone yeah it's, it. a, it's
1: almost <laughs> exactly like i actually compared them in the shop it's exactly the same size as uh star wars rebellion wow well, yeah, same yeah, it's big, 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 big big box yeah, yeah um
0: yes yeah, so i'm looking forward to trying that uh so yeah that's about it do you have anything else you want to talk about or time
1: no uh that's it for the first one and yeah. we'll, we'll, there will be many more and we'll talk more about that i would
0: like to imagine it went well
1: i would like to imagine that too yes
0: because <laughs> no one can take my imagination away from me it's my imagination <laughs> i will always
1: imagine this went well i don't care whatever anyone tells so me on
0: my deathbed, i will go oh maybe it didn't go well <laughs> okay thanks for listening Thank and you. uh yeah tune in next time if there is a next time indeed <laughs> we the, the inevitable heat that of the universe could be upon us uh, at oh, any moment that. at there's any moment that, yes <laughs> in the contract okay bye-bye <laughs>